Hi, I'm Casey Hobbs. And I'm Shane Mason. And we're the hosts of Nurse Talk Radio. Please join us for this special edition podcast. Imagine coming home from work exhausted, too tired to cook, and the idea of leftovers is not appealing. Then you catch a whiff of red chili baking in the community house, and you remember you signed up for the meal tonight with your community. Since it's not your turn to cook or clean up, all you have to do is sit down next to your neighbors and enjoy a delicious, organic meal. No dishes to wash afterwards. <laughs> no dishes. Imagine being left helpless after a major accident or illness. That's what happened to me, bedridden for three months. Fortunately, I was not alone. I live in a co-housing community called the Commons. Co-housing is community at its best. Casey, that was Dr. Erica Elliott doing a TEDx talk about the virtues of co-housing. What do you know about co-housing, Casey? Well, it sounds a little bit like a commune or a cult, but that could just be the fact that I'm in my 60s. No, it isn't, but that's what people think. Co-housing is a form of intentional community in which neighbors commit to being a part of the community for everyone's mutual benefit. I love it. Co-housing provides the privacy we are accustomed to with the community we seek. That sounds great, but I do need to hear a little bit more about it. Well, so do our listeners. With us today is Rains Cohen. Rains is a co-housing coach and volunteer for Co-Housing USA. Welcome to Nurse Talk, and thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you. So talk a little bit about the origins of co-housing and how the movement got started here in the U.S. Well, it basically came from Denmark, uh, where folks in, in group houses and co-ops uh, said, hey, um, as we're having families, maybe have a little more privacy have our own space, but not give up the community. And uh, I think of it as a sort of post-feminist form of neighborhood design. And uh, architects studying there, McCabin and Direct, brought it to the U.S. in the late 80s. And now there's 160-some up-and-running uh, co-housing neighborhoods in the U.S. That's incredible. That's great. Rains, how and why did you decide to live in co-housing? Well, I uh, grew up near Boston and uh, came out here to Berkeley, California, and, you know, 3,000 miles away from family uh, and uh, really wanted to have the, that sense of, of connected neighbors and supporting each other, the extended neighborhood. So I uh, joined a forming group in Oakland and then um, moved in there and then eventually moved over to one in Berkeley. Incredible. So what if a person thinks they're interested in this co-housing? What do they do first? How do they find information about it? Well, our national website, cohousing.org, we've got a directory, but... Um, a self-help movement. So there's a lot of forming groups and tools to help people organize and find each other. And that's a lot of the work we do uh, regionally. Our, our meetup group has over 4,500 members just in the neighboring cities. Help people meet each other, get familiar, get connected, and then end up uh, to develop a community, invest together, and partner with the developer to get it built. Okay, so let's say you have the idea in your community and this, this co-housing doesn't exist in your community. So from the time I get together the first group to talk about to its inception, how much time usually goes by? Well, in the old days, it was many years and a long process in the wilderness of getting people and then city officials educated and plenty approval. These days, it can be a couple of years 
uh, in the approval process and, and development, uh, well, a group comes together and we've got some tools to accelerate that. Um, there's also people that do what we call retrofit or organic co-housing, just you know, just connecting with your neighbors where you live, knocking down fences, and doing more sharing and organizing right where you are. Well, this is fascinating. We have a couple questions here for our listeners. I live in co-housing. Do I have to mingle, or do I just mingle if I want to? Well, the, well, studies have found we actually have a majority of introverts in co-housing, and I count myself among them. Um, we actually find, you know, you can have your own private home. You can close your, uh, your, your shade, you know, be, live your own life. But it, the community is really right outside your door. It's really easy to connect. And uh, so it is a choice, but... Um, we do try to make it so it's easier to connect and participate and share and do meals together a few times a week. In my community, we have a 90% participation rate of uh, coming to the meals, and that's over 23 years. So, yeah, it's not required, but the more you connect, the more you do with the community, the more you get out of it. What I really like about this is because, you know, I've been in nursing for over 40 years, and what I see as we age is that community becomes so very important to us. We need the interconnection we particularly need to feel a sense of community where we live. It really adds to your overall health. The, the movement, uh, I'll, I'll say, yeah, the movement had started, uh, especially with, with great for parents, and some communities have more kids than adults. But now in Denmark and increasingly here in the U.S., uh, senior co-housing is growing, part of an aging and community movement where people see there is real benefit to, uh, to connecting to what we call maybe interdependent living where people are taking care of each other and uh, watching out for each other. And even just this morning, my 75-year-old neighbor uh, twisted an ankle, and so uh, she called me. I had a cane lender, and another neighbor had crutches, and uh, somebody else rode with a ride. And so just there's, there's so much that becomes possible when you're in relationship, in connection, in community. That is so true. Are there studies that have been done that show the benefits, uh, specific benefits of living in co-housing? It's still an early movement. It's just in its first couple decades in the U.S., you know, the oldest communities are 25 years, uh, 30. And so um, we're still learning. It's still small. Um, but uh, we, we have some some research that does show that there are benefits. Um, and we're, we're trying to, you know, to sort it out. Okay, is it because, you know, people that were ready to take care of themselves and well-equipped and well-networked are coming into community or because co-housing is helping them be that way, or at least express more of that side of themselves. I do know we have a lot of people in community coming from caring professions, including a number of nurses and healthcare workers, social workers, uh, nonprofit leaders, and so that culture certainly uh, carries through in the community. I could see it because we see firsthand how important it is to to have that uh, sense of community, especially as you age. So does everybody own their Absolutely. own house or apartment? Uh, do you purchase or do you rent it? Typically, it's a homeowner model primarily, but there's starting there's rentals in co-housing emerging. Uh, but yeah, typically, it's the future member's investment that helps get a project uh, built. How many co-housing locations are there in the U.S.? I think you already mentioned that, but... Yeah, 162 or so, depending on how you count them. I just was visiting one of the newest ARIA co-housing in Denver a couple of weeks ago, and they're just settling into an old convent Great. rebuilt as, as community. Oh, I can't think of a and, better uh, use yeah, for a convent. There's a hundred more in development. That is so wonderful. One other question. So if you buy a house and you want to sell it in co-housing, can you resell that house? 
Yes, I mean, typically we've embraced the condominium model in the U.S., and so you buy at market rate, you sell at market rate. You can choose who you sell to, uh, but ideally communities will be building a waiting list and a pool of interested people mm-hmm. and doing the outreach, and that's what we're doing the most organizing around, helping people. Uh, demand has generally exceeded supply, uh, mm-hmm. so it's been sometimes easy to sell, but of course it's the housing market and there are times of downturn. And uh, the higher the prices, the fewer people who can afford it who share the interest. So it's always a trade-off. Interesting. So are there separate areas for families with children versus individuals or couples? Well, ideally, we, we mix them all together yeah, right. um, and not uh, segregate or ghettoize. Um, my community ranges from two months old to 87 years old. Have you found it impacting your life positively? Oh, very much. But as an organizer, it's great to come home to a fresh cooked meal or, um, and I just uh, helped cook uh, last night. I made a Dungeness crowd feast. Oh, I'm coming over. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I've really gotten to hang out with my five-year-old neighbor that helped mow the lawn or the 86-year-old neighbor that joined us on a road trip to L.A. We taught her to use the GPS. She got to visit her daughter in the desert. (laughs) Oh, that's so wonderful. So many connections, whether it's borrowing eggs or doing an international trip together. Rains, anything else you'd like to share before we close? Well, we basically, I think, get involved, get connected to your neighbors. That's the main thing. Thank you very much. Anybody that's interested, please visit www.cohousing.org. There's all kinds of information there. We've been talking with Rains Cohen, residents of the Berkeley, California co-housing community. For more information about this topic, visit nursetalksite.com.